There we go. It's magic. All right, ready? Here it is. The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. O my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is King Lemuel's mother's instruction for her son. Now, can you think of your own mother's instruction for you? You may not be a king. You may be a king of your household. Uh, She gives this instruction all about him being good to those who are his subjects, those who are in his kingdom, the poor and the needy. He's saying, you, she's saying to him, don't go after women, but instead seek out a woman of noble character, which is what we're going to get into. Proverbs 31 is not only the character that a man would seek out in a woman, but this, which we're about to read, is a descriptive image of the bride of Christ. It's us. You are a Proverbs 31 wife. Yes, men, you as well. You are the bride of Christ. And you are beautiful, holy, pure, devoted to one husband, Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you ready for this? Have you read this in in that way before? This is me. I was standing there waiting for my wife, my bride, Brianna, to walk through the doors. I was nervous as all get out. I had planned a whole worship service, uh, not a worship service, I planned a whole uh, wedding ceremony, and I had a, my brother called it a pump-up video. <laughs> He's like, I've never been to a wedding that has a pump-up video. But my video was scripture after scripture of the wedding language used in the Bible. And the song playing, he's coming for his pure bride. And so right after this play, I'm standing there waiting. And in walks Brianna, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life. And on that stage, with my dad and her dad applying the glue, we said our vows and we became a married couple, united until death. One flesh. And everyone celebrated, and we hopped in a Cadillac that was not ours. Just a guy in town who had a nice auto uh, collection of old automobiles. And he grace, graciously let us ride around victoriously in that thing. Surrounded by friends and family. It was a great day. That was 10 years ago. And we look as good as we, do, as we did then right now. Right? But my mom told me to be patient and wait for a particular type of woman, a woman who loved the Lord, a woman who would be a wonderful partner in life to serve and to be served by, 
to have children with. And I'm just so thankful that I chose Brianna and that she chose me. And God chooses you. He desires you. I'm going to grab a Kleenex real quick. You always know that I need one. And if God has chosen you to be his forever, what does that do to you now? Here we go. A wife of noble character, who can find? Can anyone find a wife of noble character? God is searching for and finding those who love him, who are committed to him. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He sees you, and he wants to strengthen you. As a disciple of Jesus, we come and we cling to him and we follow him so that we may be strengthened by him. God searches for us. God, thankfully, also searches for his lost people. Ezekiel 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. So he searches for us, he finds us, and then he brings us into his household to take care of us. We also see in Luke chapter 15 the parables of the lost sheep, lost coins, or the lost coin, I should say, and the lost son. In the first two parables, there's always one who is searching. But in the last parable, the the prodigal son, there is no one who goes searching for the son. Now, that's not part of my sermon, but I want you to, maybe you could go home and read that and ask the question, why is that the case? What's God saying in this? God is the one who searches for his lost people. God is searching for a noble wife and he seeks us out. Why? Because he loves us. And really, we are not noble, are we? There is no one noble enough for the Lord. And therefore, he makes us noble by becoming sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And the ultimate display of God's searching is the incarnation and the death of Jesus Christ. He came down for us. And the ultimate display of God's victory is the resurrection, meaning that he has accomplished exactly what he set out to do, to make us his own and bring us home. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's wedding language. I'm going to make a home for you. In other words, you cannot be a bride of Christ. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus unless you first come to a place where you confess, I was lost. Or maybe I am lost. But God has found me and he's making me his own. And God did find his noble bride. He did it by sending his son to die for her. And she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Meaning that she is the valuable one. It shows the price that God took 
that God paid for us. And the price, the high price that he paid, reveals our value. Don't you know that you were bought with a high price? We see this in the parables of the treasure and the, mer- and the merchant in Matthew 13, which is there was a man looking for a treasure, and when he found the treasure, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field that the treasure was in so that the treasure could be his. And the kingdom of God is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went and sold all that he had just to buy that one pearl. And there are really two ways of looking at these parables. I don't know which one's right. I think they're both right. You could say these parables are about the disciple of Jesus forsaking everything for the kingdom of heaven. Or you could say... It's God expending himself for his bride. He left everything for us. And so we do the same thing. We forsake all that the world has to offer for him. This is a picture of of a wedding. Husband and wife forsaking all others for each other. And that doesn't just happen at the wedding. That happens way before the wedding. And it happens continually after the wedding. And so God expended himself for his bride. God is searching for a noble wife and he gives them worth because of how much he sacrificed. Disciples of Jesus primarily find their worth in the Lord. Do you look for value? Do you look for your own worth in anything else in life? Do you look for it from your spouse, from your friends? Do you look for it from your social media feed? Do you look from it? Do you look for your worth in how well you are, how well you do your job? How much money you have at the end of the week? How well your stock portfolio is doing? How do you define your worth as a human being? If you're a disciple of Jesus, your worth is primarily found in your relationship to Christ. We have value because God created us, because God loves us, and he gave his life for us, and he wants us to be his forever. Therefore, our value cannot be found in our image, our money, our social status, our good deeds, being part of a certain community, our legacy, or even our family, which is a major God to many Americans. Yes, family is good. I'm so thankful for my family, but my worth is not found in my family. All these are temporary. Our worth is in the reality that God who created all things entered into his creation and gave his life only to raise it up again so that we can have eternal life with him. Everything that we could have does not compare to this. You could have the whole world and yet also lose your soul. When Jesus called his disciples to deny themselves, take up the cross and follow him, he posed that question. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? 
Where's your worth? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. On your lowest day, you fall on your knees before the Lord and say, my worth, my value is all in you, Lord. God searches for us. He expends himself for us. United him, united us to himself forever. This is the groundwork of becoming a disciple of Jesus. The basis of discipleship is receiving what God has done. And then we move into what he's creating us to be. Being the bride of Christ is an eternal gift that can never be earned or bought. So here's what he's creating us to be. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with, her eager, works with eager hands. Doesn't that just describe your daily life? The Proverbs 31 life. This is me. She's like, a mer- she's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed with fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and her faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Isn't that what you called your mom? Her husband also, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Do you see how that's the church? So I'm going to break this down for you. That whole passage that I just read can be summarized in this. The bride of Christ is faithful and loyal and brings honor to Jesus. And as a result, he has confidence in us. Do you have confidence in the church? I hear a lot of Christians kind of nitpicking the church. And you know what? Jesus doesn't nitpick the church. He has full confidence in the church, which is kind of surprising, isn't it? Because we know that there are people who are part of the church that are very flawed, even leaders. And we've seen it with our own eyes. 
A lot of us have been burned by the church. And yet somehow we find ourselves still part of a church. But the church is faithful, loyal, and brings honor to Jesus. I just find that amazing. In all of our shortcomings, in all of our sometimes laziness, Jesus still has confidence in his bride. The church is resourceful and hardworking. These are a description of the disciple as well. The church is an entrepreneur. Is a disciple of Jesus really an entrepreneur? Would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Oftentimes we think of entrepreneurs as somebody who just cares about money, but really an entrepreneur is someone who creates life, creates work for people, an income, a way to live. And that's such a blessing. It may not be the most important characteristic of a disciple, but entrepreneurship shows the creativity of a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is not idle, but rather they're able to identify and fill needs that become profitable, not just for themselves, but for all the people around them. If a follower of Jesus needs food, clothing, shelter, or any other need, he or she should not sit around but rather get to work, be creative, and use the skills that they have to make a profit so that they can provide for their needs and also the needs of others. If there's anything that a disciple has, it is a gift to give to others. That's why we bring an offering. We always have a gift to bring. The disciple of Jesus, the bride of Christ, is well prepared. Is that part of who you are? It says the lamp does not go out at night. Her lamp does not go out at night, meaning she's ready. It's also similar to the parable of the ten virgins, where Jesus tells these women, some of them are ready, some of them are not. Some have enough oil in their lamps, others do not. And when the bridegroom comes, those who do not say, can we have some of your oil? And the ones who are prepared said, I don't have enough for you, go and buy oil. So as they're going to buy oil, they realize, I'm late. But the true disciples of Jesus are well prepared. There's always oil in their lamp. There's enough. The disciple of Jesus, the bride of Christ, is always well prepared to give an answer for the hope that they have. So we're prepared for the moments where we are ministering among, to people and among people who do not know Jesus, but we're also well prepared for the coming of the Lord. Does that describe you as a disciple of Jesus? Ready. The bride of Christ cares for the poor and needy. I'm thankful for that characteristic of our church. 
God has compassion for the poor and needy. Therefore, so does his bride. We must be sensitive to the needs of people who lack basic needs, who lack communal networks, and who lack stability because they do not, are not connected to these networks. I preached on that a couple weeks ago. The husband is respected at the city gate, meaning that the bride of Christ knows the greatness of the bridegroom. Do you know how great your God is? How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? Yeah, we can sing that song, but as we go about our day and go about making disciples, do we really understand how wonderful and magnificent he is? This is who we belong to. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created all things, the one who set the stars in the sky and put the planets in motion. The one who created the earth and all that is in it. How proud we are to belong to this one, this God. He's respected at the city gate. We have strength and dignity. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we serve a God who came down in his strength, he became weak. And though he had all the dignity in the universe, he allowed himself to become shamed, scorned, spit on, whipped, accused, even though he had done nothing wrong, sentenced to a sinner's death. He was stripped of his dignity. And because Jesus gave up his strength and his dignity, we have received his strength and his dignity. And because of this, we can laugh at the days to come. Now, when you think about the future of our world, do you laugh at the days to come or do you wonder, oh no, what is going to become of our world? And I've heard people say, oh no, I, I worry for the future of our world. I worry for my children. But how great it is that we who are in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, we can teach our children the way of Jesus and to be able to approach a world that seems to be going downward, yet we can say there is hope, there's life. There's joy. So we don't have children walking around who are depressed and who have such deep anxiety that they can't be healed. But we have children who are uplifted and who can rejoice at the days to come because they know who their God is. The God who is stripped of his strength and dignity. He gives it to us. Not that we can scoff the days to come, but because we know that there's joy in the days to come. The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction.
Last week I preached on the speech of a disciple. How did you do this week speaking to others? I want to confess to you, I didn't do well. A lot of it's with my kids. I became very impatient with my kids. And you could say, well, J.D., you have four kids and you're tired. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But I can still be kind and gracious and gentle with my kids. A disciple of Jesus speaks with the sweetness of Christ. It gives wisdom to others who learn from them. Who are you discipling this week? Who are you meeting with, pouring into? Who are you sharing wisdom with? And you may think, well, I'm, I'm really the one who needs wisdom poured in. I need to be the one poured into. And I want to say to you, yes, you do, but you are also called to pour into others. Even if you're a young Christian, you can pour into others. The bride of Christ fears the Lord. We know that this is the beginning of wisdom, isn't it? And fear is not just respect, but it's also actually fear. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid. He doesn't say respect. He says, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. We often don't want to talk about hell. But hell is a reality that we never want to see. And there are people in your life who are destined for hell unless they receive the Lord. Be afraid. Fear the Lord. Should you not fear me, God says? Should you not tremble in my presence? Finally, the bride of Christ is praised by the Lord. We praise the Lord, yeah, but he also praises us. Let her works be her praise. And here's our greatest work. Our greatest work is to believe and trust and follow the Lord. For that is the only way that we shall receive the praise from our Lord. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. I long for the day where I see the Lord face to face at that great wedding banquet. And he gives me praise. He gives you praise.
You know, we often enjoy the praise of other people. Especially people we respect. But if we seek their praise, if we do things in order to earn their praise, we will always fall short. But if we seek the praise of the Lord, it means that we won't do the things necessary to earn the praise of men. You may have to reject God to to earn the praise of men. But you may be rejected by men in order to earn the praise of God. So a noble wife who can find My mom always said to me, become the type of woman that you want to marry. And I'm always like, what? I cannot become a woman. But she meant, it's become the character. Take on the character of the things that you desire in a wife. Bring that upon yourself. I say to you as a church, as disciples of Jesus, as the bride of Christ, look at the character of the bride of Christ and let Jesus shape you to become that. And you can't do it by doing enough stuff, but you first have to, you just first have to receive the gift that God has given you. The Lord searches for you, he has found you, and he has brought you into his household to be his very own. So let us rejoice. And let us be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Jesus, you are the one who makes us ready. And you equip us to help each other become ready. We want to be true disciples of you, Lord. Not just for our own sake, but for the sake of the world. We love you, we bless you, in Jesus' name, amen.